The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security. This is episode 36 for the week of December 9th, 2017. Um, I have a new co-host with me today. This is my friend, Andre Gaeta. Andre and I have known each other for a few years as he's worked at a couple different security companies. Andre, why don't you tell the listeners who you are? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Uh, my name is Andre Gaeta. Uh, I've been here in Denver for 20 years, and I've been doing security now for about 13 of those. Uh, experience spans log management, SIM, uh, application security. Uh, currently, I'm um, with an organization called Insight Engines, head ca- headquartered out of uh, San Francisco. So uh, clearly, you you killed and ate Alex to take his place on the show, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. So, I, so I, for for real, Alex is actually just out of town this weekend. So we we thought we'd have a a friend join in and co-host for us. Why don't we go ahead and jump into the news, and we can talk a little bit more about what you're doing and what you're going to help us do a little bit later in the show. Starting off this week, um, we have a, a a bit of sad news to start the show. We the AOL has announced the end of the AOL Instant Messenger application. It, it is it is sad, Rob. Um, you know, I, I remember using AOL Instant Messenger for a real short and long time, I guess, relatively speaking. But what's amazing about this, um, other messengers have come and gone in shorter lifespans. Yeah. So so MSN Messenger, right? They had a lifespan of eighteen years, and, hmm. and Yahoo's Messenger had a lifespan of fifteen years, hmm. and AOL's Messenger. Ran the gamut for twenty yeah, years. Twenty years. I I remember vividly. I, I was the perfect age to to become an AOL Instant Messenger fan. It was you know high school and I guess mostly college. And then my, as a young adult, all of my friends we used it for chatting. Um, it, I haven't probably used it for a decade, may, maybe more. But I still feel a little bit nostalgic when I hear it's going to go away. Yeah, no, nostalgic for sure. And I just I just wonder like how with yeah. so many messaging yeah. apps like WhatsApp and and Communicator yeah. like like. How'd they do it for 20 years? And well, so that's amazing. And, and it's probably, you know, half of the audience listening is like, what's an AOL instant messenger? <laughs> uh, but, you know, for those, of, for those of you who don't know what it is, you know, you're not missing out on much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so next on the, the news, uh, we, all of the Colorado legislators sent a note to Jeff Bezos, basically saying, we want Amazon HQ2 here in Colorado. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I, I'm I'm on the fence on this one, and uh, I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to challenge the uh, the community. Uh, I think it's great that you know for us to become uh, the 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 center for technology here in the U.S. and and obviously security uh, being top of mind for us. Um, what's what's the impact right to the overall community? Yeah. As we start thinking about fifty thousand people, one of the things that crosses my mind is. Uh, there's a force multiplier, and for each one of those people, they have families, and then the infrastructure to support them, right? In terms of other big box stores and smaller retailers, great opportunity for Colorado. But are we really ready for that? Yeah, I mean, I, I moved here. It's been 2001, so 16, almost 17 years now, and the the traffic going into the mountains when I got here was reasonable, right? I, I was willing to drive to the mountains even even during the middle of the weekend. Uh, and now I just I have no interest in making that drive up 70. It's just so painful. And if you talk about adding another couple hundred thousand people to support this company, yeah, it's going to get a lot worse. Our infrastructure has to be ready to 
to do it. That said, I think it's a challenge that Colorado's up for. We have to come up with the the right solutions for these problems, uh, but we have we have to grow intelligently. Hopefully, the fact that all of our legislators are advocating for this means that they've given it some thought and that they're ready to do it. Um, that that's all I can say is hopefully they're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Me too. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the next article here. Uh, a, an e-commerce software company, Channel Advisor, is expanding here into into Colorado, into Denver. Yeah, again, right here, here we are in a situation where companies are moving to Colorado. Yeah. Uh, down here at Tech Center, we saw Charles Schwab open up a, a very big facility recently. Yeah. Kaiser Permanente opened up a big facility here in the Tech Center. And now you have Channel Advisor. And, and here's a company, right? It's it's 16 years old. Um, if you look at the, the financials of this company, right, um, they've, they've grown from uh, 31% from, from 2010 to 2016, right, with revenues of $113 million. What a great opportunity for right Colorado to get more technology companies here and more security opportunities yeah. here. I, I don't think that all of the legislators wrote them a letter asking them to come. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe they did. But, but I do have a couple of interesting things that pull out of the article. Uh, they have they're headquartered in North Carolina, uh, but they already have offices in Seattle, United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, Brazil, Australia, China, and Spain. So we're adding a pretty cool adding being added to a pretty cool list of stuff they're doing. And it looks like just a couple of years ago that they were really known as a company that uh, sold into small and mid-sized businesses. And over the last two years, they've really been looking how to get into enterprises uh, directly. So interesting, interesting business that's really expanding and, and you know coming into Colorado is kind of fun to get to learn who they are. Absolutely. So the next one in the news, I I I, I read this one and I and I. I scratched my head a little bit. Uh, Colorado accountants are building bots and collecting big data. Yeah. That, that, that seemed unusual to me. Yeah. What does that mean, right? Uh, so a couple of interesting things from this. One of the stories we saw was that these public accounting firms were being asked to do things other than just look at the books. Uh, for example, that their, their customers are asking them to look through social media and see how is the customer being referenced in social media and what does what their social media profile look like. Another story, uh, another kind of interesting quote from the article, KPMG is partnering with nine different colleges around the country to offer a master's of accounting and data analytics. So this is this is not your mom's you know bookkeeping uh, auditing here, right? No, no, it's, it's no longer debits and credits, right? Right, and, and audits. It's it's completely transforming that industry, which is interesting and exciting. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. So that's interesting. It's happening here in Colorado. They also mention EKSNH, which is I think it's Denver's biggest uh, accounting firm, mm-hmm. um, and and they're they're in the article as well. So take a look at that. Um, Next, one of the, I think actually probably the most interesting article of the week, it's a map showing the most well-funded cybersecurity startups from each state. Did yeah. you take a look at this, Andre? I, I, I did take a look at this, and, and there's a couple interesting things, and, and I'll, I'll recommend the uh, listening audience, if you haven't seen this image, uh, you can go find it on LinkedIn, or you well, can pull it up. It's in the show notes. In the show notes, perfect, yeah. So, so a couple of interesting things on here, um, as it relates to Colorado, um, right, we, we rank really, really well. When you look at the other um, states that are on here, like New York, in terms of count, uh, New York's only got three organizations listed, whereas we have four. Um, the other interesting note on this is Florida, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Florida has three organizations in the security startup world. You know, you expect California, right, to, to, to be on that list. Yeah. And then you combine a, a uh, Maryland and Virginia, and you kind of expect that. 
And, and when you look at Colorado being ranked up there in the top six, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool stuff. They, you, you mentioned um, Florida being a little surprising on the list. Uh, Washington is on the list, which might not be surprising if you think about you know Richmond and Amazon being there. But what's surprising is it was the bottom of the list. They, yeah, they they weren't any any higher than than a. Uh, they weren't as high as I would have expected. Yeah, I mean, you've got big companies. You mentioned Amazon, but let's not forget Microsoft is there. Yeah. Right? There's a giant talent pool in Washington. They weren't nearly as high on the list as I would expect a state like Washington to be. Yeah. So um, the, for Colorado, we've got, what, four companies on the list? There's there's Ping and Logarithm, WebRoot, and ProtectWise. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Interesting. I don't You don't see Optiv. Maybe Optiv doesn't make the list because they're a reseller instead of a product company. I'm not sure. But generally, you'd expect them to be on any list that talks about big Colorado security companies. Yeah. And we have other ones that you know have been on the show before, companies like Red Canary and Swimlane, right? Yeah. This this list for us is, is bigger and growing. And, yeah. Uh, that, that's exciting for all of us. Yeah. Those companies didn't make this map because they didn't have enough revenue. I think the cutoff was like 50 million or something, or 80 million, something like that. But really interesting stuff. All right. Um, uh, we have a, just a bit of news that the Inglewood computer systems, this, so the city of Inglewood, their computer systems were all ransomware last week. That, that kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like, uh, it, obviously, expect, you expect to have some level of, uh, of that happening, but maybe not all of your systems at once. No, no, that seems that seems like a lot, and I think it's it's a stark reminder to all of us, right? The city of Inglewood, um, right? There's there's a lot of big companies here. There's a lot of SMB companies here. Uh, it, it's a city organization, and what we're seeing is that nobody's safe at any yeah. point in time. It's 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 incredible. Yep. Moving to the next story that I I I found, uh, we have an industry veteran in uh, Thad Duper uh, appointed as CEO of Secure Sixty Four. Uh, and that's exciting news. Yeah. So Secure 64, we've mentioned on the show a few different times. Uh, we actually, uh, we're, we're planning to interview the previous CEO and we'll see if we can still talk to him. I'd love, but I'd love to get to know Thad as well. Uh, Secure 64 does secure DNS services. And, and Andrea, we were talking before the show, secure DNS is, is that a little important or a lot important? I, I would describe <laughs> it as critically important. And, and it's interesting when you start thinking about CIS controls and, and NIST frameworks and ISO yeah. Nowhere in there does it say, you know, the importance of DNS. Right. But but from a risk perspective to every enterprise, you tell me, yeah. right, if, if there's a zero-day vulnerability that comes out in DNS, what's the implications? Yeah. It's massively impactful, right? And, and if you can't you can't get to anything, uh, we just use DNS as a, a – there's an expectation that DNS is going to work everywhere. It's not just from the experience of typing in a web a website URL into a, UR, into a browser. It's – it's really the the underlying things in those systems that all need each other to work, and it's using D- DNS almost all the way across the board. So big impact. Big impact. So if that's got a big job, he comes from a great background, Teradata, Menlo Ventures. He's got a big job, and, and we're excited to, to see what he can do there. Yeah. Uh, so next story, Conversant, who we've talked about on the show a few times, they do ethics and compliance training in organizations. They have their big... Uh, you know, industry conference here in Denver last week. Uh, there's a couple of nice stories about about Conversant that came out of that. You know, kind of some, some PR generated around the event. I'd say the the net of it is they're having a, a lot of success right now, and 2017 has been a really good year for them. Uh, apparently, for some reason, companies are starting to think about ethics and compliance more this year than previously. Well, well right. It, it, I almost want to sigh right here for a second because yeah. I just top of mind, and we spoke about this earlier. But you think about things like. Wells Fargo, 
right? I don't want to pick on Wells, right? I, I, I use them for uh, my mortgage, right? Um, but they had something really bad happen, right? Right, and, right. And that's, that, that, that's part of the ethics and compliance training is, you know, not opening up accounts that, that people didn't agree to open. Right, right. Yeah. Or in the case recently in the news, the jury's still out. We're not condemning anybody. But when you look at the executives of Equifax who, who um, sold stock prior to notification being distributed to the public about the incident that happened there, it, ethics is becoming critically important to every organization. Yeah. And, um, you know, boy, it just feels like in, in this day and time, uh, sometimes they're just being lost. Yeah, it's like the Equifax one you mentioned, it, it may or may not be an unethical thing that happened. Maybe the people who traded didn't know, but there's the perception of an ethical problem yes. there, right? Yes. And the, the general counsel who approved the trade, you'd like to think that person would take a minute to think about what are the what's the perception going to be if I approve this trade between when we found out about a breach and when the public found out. Right. And that's a great point to note out, right? The, the, the gavel hasn't swung on whether or not something inappropriate happened. But externally, the optics on mm-hmm. this thing, I think, make everyone pause for a moment and scratch their heads like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so one more story? One more story. Let's do it. So there's a blog on Ping Identity, um, the definition of security leadership. And it really basically kind of giving what Ping's example is around what makes for a good CISO. And I'd say this is a direct response to some of the criticism that came out on the web around the, the CISO at Equifax who had her, her educational background was not computer science. It was, it was music, right? And there was some attacks against her as a part of that. So this is a response to that. Yeah, I, I, I thought Patrick's comments were, were, were spot on. I mean, I really agreed with a lot of the things he said in there, um, you know, focusing specifically around understanding the business that you're in is an important role for the CISO, right? Yeah. And in addition, right, you know, having those relationships internally with the organization. Um, I, I thought those are two key things that were called out by Patrick in that blog. Uh, the other thing that Patrick didn't talk about, which I feel is really important, um, is around this notion of community outreach. I mean, it is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, um, and being able to engage with the community for awareness is an important role for security leaders at every organization, right? Mm-hmm. It's incumbent upon us to ensure that folks who maybe aren't in security are aware. Um, but as far as that blog goes, I thought it was great and spot on. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting talking about the community outreach. As you know, and probably many of the listeners know, I've been very involved in the Colorado security community for for a number of years. I have, in the last maybe two years, started trying to move away from talking to security professionals about security to talking to other professionals about security, talking to business leaders. uh, and, And the level of results I get from that is so great. It's such a a positive thing. Anytime I can go talk to, um, you know, Colorado Technology Association or Denver Startup Week or, or like there's like little groups of CFOs that get together in town and and they want to have someone come talk about security. Anytime I can get involved in those groups, it's such a bigger impact. uh, and, And I really enjoy getting to do that. Yeah. And, and, and you're great at doing it. And that's the art of the pivot. And, you know, the, the encouragement is to all the listeners out there is to do the same, right? Broaden the awareness beyond security professionals. I think generally, right? Security professionals get it. It's the other folks that we need to start doing awareness and, and community outreach with. Yeah. Well, great. That's, that's the end of the news. A couple of uh, housekeeping items. Number one, um, we do have a, a, a mailing list. If you guys are not currently signed up to get our, our show notes every week, 
sign up, give us your email address. You'll have the, the show notes and the link to the show in, in your inbox every Sunday afternoon after we publish it. Um, and now, as I said, some, some housekeeping, we're going to add a new segment to the show. And that's one of the reasons we brought in Andre today. Uh, Andre came up with this idea maybe three or four weeks ago to start adding a trivia question to the show. And he offered to personally sponsor the first person to respond to the trivia question with the right answer. It's going to get a, an item from the Colorado Equal Security store valued up to $25. So Andre, I'm going to let you ask the first question. If you guys have the right answer, send a note to info at colorado-security.com and uh, we'll get the first one to get the right answer in, we'll we'll get the prize. So Andre, you want to go ahead and ask our question? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great items out in the store, so you know, take your time, but don't take too much time because I expect the responses to come back quick. Uh, the trivia questions that will come will come in a different variety yeah. each time. Um, they may be business related, they may not. Uh, but for the first question in the can, inaugural... Can we just say no Googling it? Can, can you please not ruin it, people out there? I'm not saying that you, he's, Andre's trying to make questions that are hard to Google, it, but don't Google it. You know, Let's have a little bit of fun with this whole thing. Yeah, and I, and I tried to Google-proof it. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I asked the question, and then I, I tried to Google it myself to see if that question would show up, and I think I did a good job, yeah. but knowing the... the uh, propensity for uh, reverse engineering. Maybe the group out there will find a way to get this. Um, So the question for this week, week one and trivia is what role did Mount Blodgett play in the history of Colorado? Yeah. What? So Blodgett is, uh, is one of the peaks here Mm -hmm. locally. And we find, we find out awesome question. Uh, And then we'll look forward to hearing next week. I I look forward to hearing the answers. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, let's go ahead and jump over to the events. As a reminder, we do have a calendar of events on the website at colorado-security.com. We can go see what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. But we do like to talk through those uh, those highest, uh, those things happening in the next two weeks. So this week on the 10th of October, the October OWASP meeting is doing a joint meeting with the SANS DevOps Summit. So the SANS uh, organization has their DevOps conference here in town. And this is a joint meeting between those two groups. Uh, ISSA is doing its monthly chapter meetings on the uh, 10th and the 11th in Boulder and Denver, respectively. Um, uh, Gretchen is giving a talk on the um, finding the, the business value of cyber, and that looks really, really interesting. So if you have the ability to get to the ISSA meeting this week, please do. Good stuff. And that'll be you know Tuesday night in Boulder. Uh, what, excuse me, t- Tuesday noon in Boulder, Tuesday night downtown, Wednesday noon in the Tech Center. On the 12th of October, we have the ISACA October meeting. And on the 17th, we have the CSA October chapter meeting. On the 17th as well, there's a, uh, a training, a, a couple hour long training called Becoming a Threat Hunter. This was sent over to me by the folks at Carbon Black. It is a free event, a couple hours learning how you can start doing threat hunting in your organization without a whole bunch of additional tools or cost. That's great stuff. Uh, on the 18th and 19th, the ISSA, COS, October chapter meetings are taking place. Yeah, so Colorado Springs, they, they do their event on the Tuesday night and then and also the Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and then on the 19th as well, we have uh, the Denver ISSA is putting together a special interest group on the government interest. Basically, if you're part in the government or pseudo-government organizations, this would be a, a great place for you to get plugged in. Get to meet other folks doing security in Denver around government. And on the 19th, SecureSet doing its cybersecurity expert series. Uh, and that's Chris Roberts is going to be talking in this one. Chris is formerly you know, the founder of OWL. Now he's with 
um, Acolvio. I think I said that right. And he'll be talking about his story. And then the final event over the next couple of weeks is Densec. They're doing their North Meetup on the 19th. Just as a reminder, this is a real laid back event with, with some um, some of the more highly technical folks getting together. They, they meet up and say where they're going to go on Twitter. You got to follow on Twitter to know which which restaurant and what table to go to. But a good time to get to meet some some new folks. And there is other notable upcoming events on November 1st and 2nd. I know we're getting a little bit out there, but as calendars fill up and, and, and plans start to be made, um, the uh, Secure World Denver is coming to that. And if you go on the website and start checking out the agenda, there's some really, really cool activities taking place. So uh, Larry Ponyman mm-hmm. uh, is doing the keynote of Ponyman Institute. Um, there's a, a fantastic women in security panel uh, that's got Cheryl Rose on it, uh, Lucia from Polycom, and Mary Haynes from Charter. Yeah. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And um, Randall Fricci is giving a, a talk on maturity in third-party risk. And uh, if you haven't heard him talk about that before, uh, I strongly recommend you go there and check that out. Awesome. Th- thanks for calling that out. A couple other events that are coming up a little further in the future. And, and we, we try and you know generally talk about the next two weeks, but then we go out in the future for those events that you're going to need to block stuff on your calendar for. Um, the first through the third is NCC's Governor Cyber, Governor's Cyber Symposium. Uh, this is a chance to get to meet Governor Hickenlooper, all kinds of bigwigs in the in the Colorado and national security scene. Something to take a look at there. Uh, looking a little bit further out on the eighth of November, there's the CTA's Apex Awards. Uh, we do have finalists for CISO of the Year, and those will be coming out to you in the next week or so. Um, but hopefully you guys can make it and see who will be named the Colorado CISO of the Year this year. All right, why don't we go ahead and jump over to jobs now. Uh, first job open this, uh, this week is at Douglas County. They're hiring a senior cybersecurity analyst. And I, I got to talk with the hiring manager on this. He's really looking for someone who, who's interested in, in coming up behind him to be a leader in the organization. So someone who's maybe got a little bit of experience and looking to get more and really wants to take on leadership going forward. Uh, next up is First Information Technology Consulting. They're looking for a process control domain administrator. So I don't know this company and I don't understand what this job is. So why don't we just move along without talking about it? Though? Okay. All right. If someone looks into it, let us know what that exactly means, please. Uh, Pearson is hiring a cloud security engineer on risk and compliance. Yeah. And, and you know, take a moment if you have a chance and look up Pearson. It's a, it's a dual listed company. Uh, it's listed on the, the London uh, exchange as well as on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, but they, they are an American depository uh, company. And what's interesting about that is that their stock uh, trades for $629 on the London exchange. In the States, it's around 8 or $9. Mm. But for folks that want international business experience opportunities, a company like Pearson presents multinational opportunities for you. Yeah. And they have a, a really nice, large security program, and they've, they're building out a lot of positions here in Colorado. So you'd be part of a growing team, uh, getting to do some pretty cool stuff. They have about 20,000 employees worldwide, I think. And, uh, and, they, and their office in Colorado is over it. Uh, streets of South Glen at like University and um, Arapaho area. Uh, General Dynamics is hiring a security operations center analyst. Western Union is looking for an information security analyst. Uh, I want to pause on Western Union for a minute. Not only do they have a, a great leadership team there, but they're also in the process of moving their offices from the South Tech Center up to Bellevue. Um, but 
Western Union's got some pretty cool mobile applications. If you haven't checked out Western Union's mobile apps in the app stores, do. I think we generally think of PayPal and Venmo and other things. Mm -hmm. uh, they're doing a great job doing this digital transformation. Uh, they're really a modern company, and, and maybe that's not always the perception of Western Union, given their very long history. Yeah. Um, but great company. Go check those guys out. Yeah, and you get to be at a, a, a sweet new headquarters, brand new, right by the train station at Bellevue, too. Uh, I think it's literally attached to the train station. Uh, Cognizant is hiring a cybersecurity incident response and investigations. Wow, there's a word missing here. Manager, analyst, something. Well, again, Cognizant provides anybody who wants international experience great opportunities. Another company that's had a headquarters out of Teaneck, New Jersey, but also headquartered out of India. And if someone's looking to grow their career and have multinational experience, go check out Cognizant. Uh, Swimlane, who we've talked about on the show numerous times, is hiring a security solutions engineer. Yeah, and, and Swimlane was just in the Colorado Startup Week just a week or two ago, and I know you participated in that. Cody, Corn Cody Cornell is doing a great job building that organization. Fantastic lo location up north. Uh, if you're looking to be in the vendor space, in the startup space, go check out the guys at Swimlane. And then finally, uh, PwC is hiring a cybersecurity manager. And I, I assume this is really focused on their security so solutions delivery, and you get to work with uh, external customers who want you to help them build their own security practices. That's great. All right. Well, that's it for the, the news here this week. We're going to throw it over to the feature interview. Uh, for this week, I sat down with Dave DeFore. Dave is the VP of Cybersecurity and Engineering at Webroot. Webroot, one of the big four security companies in town off the 36 uh, turnpike. Yeah. Yeah. Webroot's a great company. Uh, go go and, and listen to the interview, and I think you'll find a lot of interesting facts in it. All right, Andre, thanks once again. Thanks for joining us this week, and thanks for sponsoring our trivia competition. We're looking forward to seeing how that goes. Yeah, my pleasure, and thank you. All right, have a good one. This is Michael Kostefan, Privacy Security Officer for Connect for Health Colorado. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security, for Colorado security professionals by Colorado security professionals. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is uh, the feature interview, and today I get to sit with Dave DeFore, who is the VP of Engineering and Cybersecurity at Webroot. Dave, I've known you for what, two or three years, and, and it, you've got to do some pretty interesting stuff at Webroot over the years. When, when I met you uh, a few years ago, you were really at the early edge of getting into the IoT and what is this going to mean and how are we going to start to secure um, IoT environments. Uh, it sounds like things have changed quite a bit in the last year or so since we really caught up. Uh, why don't you just, you know, as a starting point, tell us what do you do for Webroot and uh, and where is your focus right now? Okay, great. Thank you for having me, Rob. Um, uh, so I've been with Webroot for just over four years. Uh, spent a lot of time initially doing work with large OEM device manufacturers. Um, a lot of people, if you've heard of Webroot, you immediately jump to um, antivirus and things like that. But but one of our largest businesses is embedding threat intelligence in network appliances from folks like Cisco, F5, Palo Alto, Aruba. Um, and so I spent the first two years really working with uh, those manufacturers, helping to integrate solutions. Um, and, and, and we do a ton of machine learning. We've been doing that for 10 years now, taking that information, um, delivering it into appliances. So again, that was really out the gate. Um, what I did, and then were you on the product side or the or the relationship channel side? How, which side were you? Yeah, on? that's a great question. Um, when I started, the discussion between the CTO and the VP of OEM Sales was, "Where does Dave live?" Um, I landed on the sales side um, as a role. I, I guess the thing to, that would be most um, 
equivalent would be think sales engineer, mm-hmm. but my role was more specific to um, sitting with the engineers on the appliance right. uh, company side and help them accelerate development. So I did a lot of hands-on development with those manufacturers mm-hmm. um, in an effort to improve sales and get them get get them um, ramped up quicker. Because you know, with an OEM appliance, you can see you know a year to eighteen months. Um, uh, once a contract signed before you see a product out the door. Yeah. And the goal is to accelerate that as quickly as possible by helping their engineers, um, you know, with development efforts and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then moved out of uh, that. The, the so sale. when did you join WebRoot and do that? Uh, that was uh, July um, 19th, uh, 2013. 2013. Okay. Did that through 2015. Um, and then I spent a year trying to figure out IoT with WebRoot. We built some prototypes uh, with some folks from um, CU, uh, some some endpoint type prototypes that did some basic IoT work. I am a little bit um, not a fan of the term IoT. I think it's kind of a marketing positioning piece. Yeah. Um, in like that in embedded that, device, you like embedded device. I better? like embedded device much better because um, <laughs> we're old. Because <laughs> we're old. Dan. Fair enough. I'm an old <laughs> curmudgeon. <laughs> I think they would say the. Opposite. How do you feel about cyber? Do you like cyber? <laughs> cyber is. <laughs> I don't like the cybers. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Um, but I, so IoT. The problem is it, it, it turned into that year turned into. Um, uh, going to conferences, speaking, talking to people about. You know, people coming up with ideas on how they were going to secure the IoT and offerings they had, and and, and I kind of ended up after that year with the with the metaphor of it's kind of like going to a sporting um, uh, goods like trade show, and somebody showing up saying that they could build the perfect um, you know safety equipment for a baseball player, a football player, a basketball player, and a soccer player and a hockey player. And it's the same piece of equipment. Right. And it, it's just, right. it's not possible. I think we have to look with IT, IoT devices, we have to look at verticals. Is it is it something that lives mm-hmm. in uh, an industrial appliance? Does it have a radio on it? Can we update it? Is it not updated? You know, mm-hmm. you have to spend a lot of time thinking about that. And, and they kind of fall into multiple, a few basic categories of um, high resource availability, where I can do a lot with it. Um, it has memory, it has CPU cycles. And then you have the kind of the ones that fall in between where maybe there's not a lot of resources, but I can still update them um, and, and tweak them if need be from a security perspective. And there's the ones that once they're burnt, they're going out and they're going to sit there for 30 years on a telephone pole and whatever security flaws they have going out the door, that's what they have. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people are trying to build monitoring solutions. I think right now that's probably not a bad idea to try to monitor at the network layer. Mm-hmm. But I don't see, I am not, you know, this is an opinion. I don't see how people make money building endpoint solutions to protect IoT devices. I think they've got to do that work in the, in the, at the network layer. The platform? Correct. So it's interesting. I had, I'd never really heard someone talk about IoT the way you just did in, in terms of saying, you can't call it a group of things, just like you can't, you, you know, your example of trying to have protective equipment for sporting equipment. Uh, and I feel like it's the same thing we have with security. You know, call myself a security guy. It's, it's not right, right? It, it, you're you're going to be good at some subset of security and, and probably only really good at one or two things. And similarly, IoT things, you know, a an embedded 
you know, light bulb is completely different than uh, something out, you know, that's at an oil rig in the middle of the ocean that we call an IoT device and trying to treat them similarly just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The, I could the, not in, agree more. Embedded, embedded light bulb, it's all about commodity pricing and, and, and you know, making sure that everything is repeatable versus these high cost devices sitting in a rig where you have the ability to put more more elaborate, expensive equipment into it and, and really embed security there. So I, I, like, I like the way you're talking about it. It makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and just to underscore what you just said is a, is a big deal. Um, no one would ever hire me to do your job because I would be terrible at it. Um, I'm, I'm not good at understanding how to manage the risk of, of an organization, um, ensuring that we have proper security protocols in place. I'm good at building stuff from the ground up in an engineering perspective that fits into needs that we see in an industry. And but the and my point in saying that is we have vastly different back backgrounds, vastly different knowledge. But if we were standing next to each other, people would say those are the security, security guys. guys. Yep, exactly. And and it's just we're different. And and that is a problem we have that that we 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 lump security into this one thing and we lump IoT into this one thing when it doesn't do us any favors when you need to apply different approaches to different IoT devices and different thought processes for different security areas, right? That, you know, compliance is a totally different thought process yep. than embedding security into the application SDLC, right? And, and, and I think from for, for IoT, I have the luxury of saying we're not going to write code that protects those devices um, from where I sit. But from where you sit, you don't have the luxury of telling your executives we're not going to protect our company from these IoT devices you just brought in. So it's it's an interesting perspective. Like I have challenges in my world, people trying to hack equipment and, and I've got to figure out ways around protecting that um, from, from a delivery perspective. But but you do not have the luxury of, of ignoring these devices that are out there, man. You've got to figure out how you're securing or mitigating risk in, in those instances. So, so I, I might move us forward. You, you spent a year looking into IoT, and, and what did you come out of there saying? Hey, this isn't the place we want to go right now? So I, I would say um, at, at, at WebRoot, in my personal um, view, right now, it's not something that's equitable. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. There's fun things to do in that space. You, you see things being hacked all the time. So if you're kind of a hobbyist, and hopefully uh, no one uh, above me, my, my boss lives in San Diego, so hopefully I won't hear this, but like, I would do what I do for free. I literally <laughs> love what I do. Um, and I think it's, it's a fun space to be in, but I don't know how people monetize it, so I don't know how companies can come up and, 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 and sustain themselves in the IoT space alone. Yeah. So to your point, Right now, we're looking at network anomaly detection, um, scanning and, and managing network traffic and analyzing that through modeling that we're building um, to try to find that anomalous behavior in networks rather than looking at the individual devices and trying to create endpoint solutions for each one. Yeah. So, you know, it's fast forward a little bit. You. you your role has changed. You know, you were doing IoT stuff, and then you know what? What came next? What, do you, what have you been doing since then? So for the last year, um, I've I've really focused and doubled down on um, uh, getting our solutions um, to market, moved forward better in terms of uh, the technology behind them, making sure we're putting teams together uh, that are both able to execute heavily 
um, on, on the low level development that needs to occur, um, along with, um, making sure we're getting things out more reliably. Hmm. Um, that that's really where I've been focused for the last year. And then probably 10% of all that energy is also what do we need to be doing next to make sure we have things in the pipeline that will meet the needs of our, our customers um, yeah. moving forward. And so on that end, it's all about, um, developing like anti-exploit um, solutions, things that can monitor processes um, that are running um, on an operating system, trying to determine if the behavior of that process looks malicious. And, and that's, it's easy to monitor processes um, kind of at the, in that OS level at the, in the kernel. What's hard is filtering out false positives because there are programs that look malicious but are doing legitimate work so, so we're spending a lot of time in that space um, right now. Yeah. So that, so I mean, that's some, some pretty fun stuff you're working on, and, and you guys have had quite a bit of change over the last, I don't know, several months. Um, obviously, some some really cool stuff going on. I know you, you hired a CISO just a few months ago, Gary Hayslip, who who's uh, came from this. Have you uh, met him? Oh yeah, several oh, times. Okay, in fact, good. I had dinner with him recently. He's a good guy. A uh, good guy. Uh, lives in San Diego, but he's coming to yep. to the to Colorado on a regular basis. Um, and I know you, you guys recently had uh, your your CEO uh, retire, resign. Correct. I'm not sure. He retired. He so retired. Uh, our okay. CEO, yep. um, Dick Williams, mm-hmm. um, eight years, I believe, he was the CEO. Yeah. Um, amazing guy. Moved us from, you know, um, the the kind of the legacy uh, software we had, which was good at the time. But he, he came on. Um, we made a few acquisitions that really accelerated the company forward. We owned all our own tech. He really... It just really led us forward yeah. in a direction that that has been great for Webroot, um, and he decided he wanted to you know kind of uh, give up the reins. He's still heavily involved. I mean, he I think he's only been officially retired for a week, but he's still see him around the office. And we have a brand new CEO, Mike Potts, who um, even though he has a home in Naples, Florida, and and luckily uh, wasn't too heavily affected by the hurricane, has just been all in mm-hmm. on. Um, uh, coming up to speed on the company, people are pretty pumped about him being there. So we're kind of fortunate that Dick's still going to be on the board, so nice. he's going to be involved. So we're, we're kind of in a wonderful sweet spot right now, where we have a, a, a new CEO with some some new ideas, wanting to really um, drive things forward. With with Dick still being there um, to to help, you know, make sure we're 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 staying the course where we need to. So it's pretty. Everybody feels really good right now at yeah. the company. And you guys just made an acquisition of a security training company? We did, right? yeah. So uh, so for, for, for a lot of folks, um, we spend a lot of time with MSPs and SMBs. Um, and so we're catering a lot of solutions. So talk to me about the MSP relationship. So MSPs, uh, MSPs are managed service providers, um, if, if you're not familiar. And those are the people that handle all the small to medium businesses out there. Obviously, there's a few that handle large enterprises. But think the, the IT guy that you call or guy or gal that you call when, when your computer isn't yep. running or having some problems with Small the businesses use these companies since they don't have an internal IT team or not enough internal IT support. They work with these companies to get their... Absolutely. So we've we've spent I think the last year and a half to two years heavily focused on the MSP market. Um, We've integrated into several RMMs, which are tools that MSPs use to manage their customers' environments. Um, And so um, we we (laughs) we have a very significant 
um, footprint in that MSP market, it, it substantial. We're the people to catch. Um, and so we're um, really becoming the de facto security provider in those businesses mm-hmm. um, in terms of both endpoint uh, uh, security, uh, network layer security with like DNS solutions. Um, and so training was the next step in that, in that um, direction. Which surprised me, you know. I'm I'm sitting here on the engineering side and, and thinking about making a new solution. Exactly, <laughs> and people are like, you know, we, we need to do training. Yeah, and and I guess that the, real quick aside, we in in anybody who's ever heard me speak, I always tell the story. It's it's my one like grandpa's going to tell the story again. Um, in in. 1988, I joined the U.S. Air Force, and a 17-year-old, Dave Dufour, is in Biloxi, Mississippi after basic training. He's at Keesler Air Force Base getting his, uh, starting his technical training, and the first thing they teach us is that the most common way for someone to break into a computer system is to social engineer hmm. your username and password, like calling you and saying, hey, I'm support and I need your username and password, or showing up and saying, hey, I'm with support, or yeah. things of that nature. 1988. Yeah. Um, here we are, 2017, 29 years later, the number one way of someone getting into a computer system is by social engineering a username and password. Yeah. Phishing is a massive massive problem um and and that's uh, phishing is obviously i think everyone knows this but just in case is when you receive emails that have links or appear to be from a bank or or lead you to a website that looks like a bank site or some other and they're trying to solicit your your username and password um and so that being the number one problem and has been for 29 years probably longer training is the one way to, to really improve that because it's a human problem. Yeah. It's not a computer problem. Um, so WebRoot went out, looked for a company, and, and uh, next month we will release, integrated with our, our DNS solutions and our endpoint solutions, a training solution. And you have the ability to do training courses, but I think our approach and the way we think that'll be a differentiator is um, we can deliver training at the point of the issue. So if someone installs malware, we catch it, we can trigger a training really? to say, hmm. hey, why'd you, why did you, uh, you know, here's what malware is and here's why it just got installed in your computer, here's what you need to know. That's interesting. Or if someone navigates to, we have a real-time phishing solution, so if someone actually navigates to a phishing site and we detect that, we could trigger a phishing training and explain what that is and kind of teach them. And the thought is maybe by by triggering that training at the point of the event, rather than making it something where you have to go outside and attend a course, or you have to at you know at lunch take a yeah. course, if we can maybe get that training rolling when the event occurs, maybe it'll be more effective. It's more timely, more more impactful. People are going to pay more attention. I, the idea is right. I, I, I'm, it, it sounds it sounds difficult, right? Because what you really want is you want when they make the de- de- the wrong decision. That's when you want to deliver the training. Exactly right. But if you knew that they were making the wrong decision, you wouldn't let you wouldn't let them make it. And, and so, <laughs> but the, and to your point, that that's we feel like we're in a pretty good spot because we can tell if somebody clicked something and they just pulled up a phishing site. Yeah. And we should warn them, don't yeah. go there. It's a phishing site, and watch this video because yeah. Rob, your SISO, 
is mad at you now and wants you to watch this video. Yeah, and, and, and I tell you, if you can keep the videos under two minutes, that's, that's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> I would, you don't want to. You don't want to. That's four the way to do video. it, man. <laughs> to, anything under two minutes is a, is a whole lot easier. That's great. Um, so what's the what's the big picture for Webroot? Where what do you think? You know, you're 2017. We, you've got uh, obviously a, a huge install base in. Uh, on commercial and, and enterprise systems for AV, you've got your MSP relationships, you've got in threat intelligence OEM, you've got security awareness training. There's a lot of interesting pieces. You know, where do you see this going in you know two to five years, whatever you're thinking for your timeline? What is the what does it look like? So we've we started as an AV company, been around 20 years. Um, threat intelligence have been heavily involved in that for the last 10 years. Um, I think we stay focused on our threat intelligence because that model has worked, served us really well as a vertical that most people don't know about um, where we're working with those appliance folks. So we'll focus, we'll keep that focus there. We have a massive consumer following. It, it, it pays all the bills. It's a great, great product. We love our consumer folks. It, and, and we never want to get out of that business because we have such a great relationship with our consumer people or the consumers out there. Um, and then I think where we're really trying to focus growth is that um, small to medium business and the MSP offerings and yeah. just try to grow that because MSPs are growing. I, I was frankly shocked. I In the, in the 2000s, I had um, a small business that paid my mortgage while I did other things um, that, in, that was an MSP and um, I wasn't very good at it. I only had maybe 50, 60 seats under management, but it paid the bills. Um, and and I'm surprised at how huge that industry has come. Yeah. And it's becoming much more common for small businesses to say, hey, I need someone to take care of this. They're going to, I just pay them a monthly fee. I'm done. And it's, and it's over with. And as that grows, we're really going to focus on being part of that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I'm going to totally change gears on you and, and, and go way back before you got to Webroot. You've been there for five years, so you know some of the history. Uh, about 20-year-old company? Yeah, is that it right? is. This year is 20 years. 20-year-old company founded, where, where would it start? Boulder, 1997. And, and where, how did that happen? What do you know? Uh, I honestly don't know that history, and, and yeah. shame on me. I know a um, few folks started it. it. One of the original products was Spy Sweeper, and they were... Oh, yeah, Spy Sweeper. Yes, that, was, yeah, that. that is a Webry product. Huh. And they were licensing for that first 10 years um, before they started investigating, bringing in Dick um, and, and, and a new management team. They, they spent a lot of time... Um, uh, focused on Spy Sweeper and, and some other utilities, but most of that technology was licensed. So those those first several years, they did a great job um, growing a company, um, uh, building a, a pretty good solution and a, a very good following. And, and yeah. I have to say that that first phase of the company is is why we have such a good consumer following today because they really built a strong uh, s- solution, but more importantly, a strong support. Uh, infrastructure that that really helped the consumer yeah. um, and, and really helped people. And so, if you don't use Webroot, you might not have heard of us. But if you do, we have people are passionate about mm-hmm. it because of that support yeah. that, that we offer. And so that that early you know first decade or so really trans uh, you know put, set the groundwork for how the company acted and performed. And then um, the, the, the fear was after the, those first 10 years or so, not owning our own tech, having licensed all of that, it became very important and, and aware that we needed to figure out how to get our own technology and, and, and be self-sufficient in that aspect. And then we're 100% self-sufficient yeah. today. So. So, so you guys, I'm just thinking 97, I think that makes you the oldest of the 
the local, at least the big companies here in town. Probably so. Optiv is like 2001, Ping's 2002, 2003, Logarithms 2003. I don't think there's anyone who who was back into the 90s other than you guys. I yeah. don't know of anyone. Interesting. No. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and you guys, obviously, you have a, a nice big... Uh, well, your, your name's on the side of a nice big building on 36. <laughs> yes. And that's head, that's corporate headquarters? That's, so that's, that is... That's Broomfield? Broomfield. Yep. Um, so corporate headquarters in Broomfield were somewhere floating around 600 people total. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, and they're not all in Denver, right? Well, that's the 600 people. And we have the corporate headquarters in Broomfield. We have office in San Diego where we spend do most of our machine learning. Hmm. Um, we, have a, we have a great relationship... Um, with the San Diego supercomputer um, facility out there. So um, the universities in San Diego, we spend a lot of time with there. We have an office in um, the Bay Area in San Jose. Then we have an office in Dublin, Ireland, an office in Darby. Sales offices, dev offices? uh, Just to run down the list, um, Dublin is uh, focused on threat, and then there's some sales folks there, but that's where we have a lot of threat analysts. We have threat analysts here in Broomfield. we have folks in uh, Derby, which that? Derby's in uh, the Midlands in the UK. So when I say I'm going to London, I don't yeah. bother saying Derby. <laughs> <laughs> I say London, but Derby is you know a couple hours north of London. Okay. We have a, a very large development team there, hmm. um, focused on endpoint solutions, backend infrastructure. Um, uh, it's a great place to visit, by the way. If you've never been to Derby, England, it's beautiful. Um, uh, Linz, Austria. We have a, a development team there uh, that we've had for quite some time. And, and again, that's an engineering shop. So kind of Darby and Linz are both engineering shops. Yeah. Uh, Sydney, Australia is mostly sales. We have some uh, support folks there and analysts. We have an office in Japan where, um, again, mostly sales folks on yeah. APAC. Um, we got offices everywhere. And for 600 people, it, yeah. it's it's really, that's actually really similar to, to the, the ping layout. Is this, did this go through acquisition that you get the Darby and the Austria office acquisition? So uh, interesting question. Um, San Jose or San Diego uh, was our bright cloud threat intelligence arm yeah. uh, where we have our like kind of machine learning center of excellence. That was an acquisition um, for the bright cloud solutions. Darby was a technical acquisition for their endpoint. Yeah. Uh, they had actually developed a cloud-based um, agent that we you know have grown from, but but it's the super lightweight, super fast scanning agent that came out of Darby. Austria was we just found a group of really smart people that um, knew security that happened to be working together, and so we brought them on board. Oh, interesting! Um, just hired a big group of yeah, friends. We literally <laughs> did. Uh, that, that is actually That's exactly cool. what happened. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but we've had Australia and Japan for a very long time, just because. Yeah. Because of support and 24 hours, it's we like to have that that spread of across the globe, so yeah. we're covered. And so you guys are a private company. Yes, right? we are. Yes. Are you venture backed? Uh, we are venture backed. Okay. Um, and I don't know. They don't let me talk about how much something costs, and they don't let me in on that. I like. I'm joking, uh, but I, I forgot the name of the VCs. But yes, sure. we have a very strong um, VC backing. The beautiful thing is we're very profitable. Um, we, we've been profitable for quite some time. Don't want to go into specific numbers, but we're a super solid, stable, growing company. Yeah. And, and that's pretty uncommon in the security area right now because there's so many startups. But but I guess when you the only way you're around for 20 years is to actually have a good, solid business model that works. Yeah. Um, and we're fortunate to have enough money to fund, uh, you know, like re- science projects and yeah. stuff like that to find new tech. So 
I'll, I'll change the topic. For those who might be interested in working at Webroot, you know, in, in the Boulder, Broomfield area, what kind of jobs are you guys looking to hire up there? Uh, start. We'll start there. What kind of jobs are you guys hiring? So, uh, think any first, not me. Let's think regular corporation. We need marketing folks. We need sales folks. We need finance people. I mean, we need those fundamental, uh, you know, folks that can run a business, and, yeah. and um, that's very important. And, and check our website if, if you're looking for a position um, with a very, you know, long in the tooth, well, you know, best of breed company, great company to work for. Now let's talk security. Um, love Colorado. Think there's a lot to offer here, but I, I would say we do struggle a little bit finding folks in the Colorado area specifically for um, the type of security development we need. Hmm. Um, threat researchers uh, are almost born, they're not bred. They, they have to have a, um, um, an intrinsic curiosity on how things work. So um, if you're of that nature, you know, you should contact us. But um, from, a, from a programming perspective, we need tons of kernel level developers, hmm. which you know, you have a bunch of people who maybe aren't interested in programming, but then you get the bubble of programmers, then it's an even smaller subset of folks who really want to develop at that kernel level yeah. who understand process hooking. And like, if you don't even know what I'm talking about, that that's a right. trick. So, so things at that level are really critical for us. And then machine learning. I mean, mm. we, we love like data scientists, machine learning, modeling, um, and, 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 you know, that kind of um, ilk. Uh, we, we are always looking for that. And then the one thing that we never really talk about because we kind of take it for granted is we spend a ton of money um, with Amazon. We, we, use, we use them a lot for their infrastructure. And, and one thing that makes us different, like 10 years ago, machine learning wasn't that, it was pretty uncommon, but it's become more and more common. You know, everybody talks about it. Um, but what we're good at and that we don't talk a lot about, about is um, anybody can kind of go download uh, some machine learning models offline or online, uh, tweak those and run them and train up some things. That's great. The trick is scaling that to be able to provide a service to people. It's a very hard thing to scale machine modeling um, and analysis. So one thing we do a lot and are in need more of are people who understand how to scale cloud infrastructures. Um, rapidly and 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 be able to change quickly because we have cloud services in across North America, South America um, and in Europe. And mm-hmm. so we spend a lot of time, money and energy on cloud infrastructure and it's a big deal. Hmm. That's great. Which isn't even a security yeah. thing. It's 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 more of a a back end, you know, technology thing, but we need with, those cloud with a huge security impact. Correct. Right? But it goes back earlier to the comment, you know, what is a security person? If I'm going to hire a person to do my cloud security, I'm not going to go look for a security guy. I'm going to, I'm going to go look for a cloud person. Exactly. Right? That, that's that's what it means to be a good security person is to be really good at the technology you're securing. Um, and, and so, anyway, as, as I'm looking for those folks, I want to know someone who understands, you know, VPC security groups, all of the AWS configurations, not someone who's managed firewalls for, right. for 20 right. years. And, and I would also, to, to the listeners, if you're a kernel developer... Think security because a lot of kernel developers don't have security background because they may have been building drivers or things mm-hmm. like that. Um, 
there are security knowledge people. And, and at a large company, you don't need a ton of those. What you do need a ton of are kernel developers who can then work with those security folks to, to take the snippets of code they wrote to say, hey, this is what I'm seeing in, in this kind of process and turn it into something that's robust and, and deliverable. So I guess if, if I'm somebody trying to break into the security industry and I'm a kernel developer, I make that pitch to people because kernel developers are... Uh, kernel space is, you know, that low-level operating yeah. system space. App, for your listeners, app, application space is where you're building application programs, you know, people use, user interfaces. Those kernel developers are really critical in security. And if they don't realize that, they mm. should because security companies are looking for kernel developers yeah. everywhere. Well, that's great. Well, so any kernel developers out there or anyone who knows one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Is it, there's a referral fee, I assume. <laughs> Rob, will get the fee. <laughs> no, not me. Not me. For whoever's listening, you refer your people and we'll get a referral fee over to you. Uh, well, cool. Talk to me about your personally, what do you think is going to be the most interesting thing coming up in the next you know, year to year to two years uh, maybe we're not talking about yet. Yeah, we've been talking about machine learning and AI, and maybe we got a little bit of a head of AI, but machine learning is certainly making an impact at this point. Yep. Where do you see things going in the next couple of years, and what should we be thinking about? Um, uh, so a couple of things that I try to talk about, um, I, I feel like we're going to get back to some basics on security. Um, one of the biggest things that I see happening um, whenever I see a big explosion of some something spreading it's it's the most the it, the more mundane something is, the more important it is to security. Mm-hmm. And the two biggest things you can do to protect yourself have nothing to do with security, and they're patching systems if you can, and making sure you have actionable backups. And yeah. so, I, I guess what I'm saying with that is, I, I there's all this stuff that tells you data is being exfiltrated, or right. you know, that's analyzing your network. And I think people are going to start getting back to well, if I focus on the basics first, yeah. I'm probably going to be covered most of the time. Now, I also think that that's one end of the spectrum. I think there's becoming like with Equifax and things like that, you know, I, I, I guarantee you they had stuff in place. They had audits and everything to say they were well secured and well protected. I think there'll be a renewed focus on focus on what does that mean? What does it mean that we're protected? Did we are we compliant? And you know, we, you and I always talked about compliance does not equal security. But how do we get those tied together better so that you, um, uh, in, in a CISO role, are able to more effectively communicate with the executives to get what you need to not just be compliant, but to also ensure you have the security tools you need. So I think some of the noise is going to go away if i'm going to if i can summarize and and some of some of we'll we'll get back to some basics on you know i don't need a sock with 50 people in it to tell me that somebody from china is pulling down data um, i need to just make sure that's not happening yeah i really especially appreciate your comments about you know the the basics and you gave a couple of good examples of basics with patching and uh, and backups um, and and you know let's say that's that's level two level three level seven is where we're focusing on you know we want to see the data exfiltration we want to see these indicators of compromise that happened because we didn't do level two and i'd go even a step further back to like level one below those two and say you need to know your environment you have you have to understand your asset inventory and your configuration management 
you can't patch your Tomcat version if you don't realize you're running Tomcat over there. You know what I mean? Exactly right. And and, and those we're really bad at that. Organization or industry wide, it is it is something that's really hard and people really struggle to do. If you if you if you start by buying the Blinky box all the way at level seven and you didn't do all the stuff you know below it. Uh, maybe you didn't get the blinky box in the right place and you, and you don't even know it. And it's also um, setting up that vigilance that once you're at level seven, are you still looking at right. one, two, and three? Yeah. Because that is constantly changing. Yeah. And those are the most important places to be looking. Because, you know, if you know you have Tomcat and then all of a sudden you hear there's a Tomcat, you know, exploit, then maybe you didn't protect against it, but you know you need to go look and yeah. make sure you're covered rather than having something that's monitoring, like you say, at that level seven. It, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's basics. And I think we're going to start seeing a re- – people are going to realize, yes, there's a lot of stuff out there. We're maturing. As you know, it's the Wild West right now. But I think we'll get back to some really fundamental things that, that, that help – the industry. Well, you're, I love your optimism. That's fantastic. <laughs> I hope you're right. Because yeah, those, those fundamental things is, is the only way to be successful. It, that's exactly right. Cool. Well, you know, I guess I, I was going to finish this up, but I want to ask you a couple questions about Colorado. How long have you lived here in Colorado? I have lived in Colorado. Now, we're going to get the grumpy old man part yeah. here. So I've lived in Colorado for 21 years. Awesome. 96. Uh, July 29th, 1996, I moved here. And, and, and why? Why haven't you left? Uh, I have not left because I like the outdoors. Um, I used to like the lack of people, um, <laughs> but there are uh, yeah. a lot more people here now, and the, the grumpy old man in me wishes uh, they would go away. So you're not. <laughs> so you're not hoping that we get Amazon's second headquarters. I, I truly, I, I, you know what? It'd be good for the industry and good for the economy. So I, I would grudgingly have to say <laughs> yes because I don't want to be a guy that that guy who didn't yeah. want the. But man, we used to like. You used to be able to drive up seventy in the oh, summer okay. on on a. Saturday and not have a traffic jam. It would yeah. be kind of bad on ski days. Now you can't go up the mountain yeah. any day of the week without there being a traffic That's jam. That's miserable. I, I, they're going to solve that problem. They How do. much? What's the economic impact of people like me never driving into the mountains? Uh, it, that's too, a great question. It, it's got to be significant. Well, and a part of me feels like we'll have the security thing cracked before they <laughs> yeah. figure out how to fix that traffic problem. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll ask you a you know, final question. Anything you want to share with the community before we, before we call it a day? Um, I, I guess... Not I, well. Look, Colorado. Let's talk about Colorado real yeah. quick from a security perspective. Yeah. It's really nice that that you and Alex have this this podcast. It's helping to to really like congeal the the, the security community we have here. There's some folks in the Springs. They do a good job. My, I fear they're a little bit DoD focused, you know, and and I think that doesn't necessarily. Um, uh, grow the the you know the startup industry in terms of security, but I think groups like this give people a place to come and talk and listen, and and it's it's really good that you're doing these things. You oh, you and you. Alex are really kind of pushing. You've always done this ever since I met you. You've been pushing like with ISSA, and and and, and you really care about Colorado. So I guess I, I'm not trying to just suck up here. I, I actually mean this. Like this is a great forum, and and I hope people listen and pay attention. And I guess I would challenge you. Because because I'm busy and I travel, I would challenge you to maybe have events or grow your your group here so we can maybe start getting together, show up, talk to each other face-to-face so we start having a lot more um, uh, community in, in, in the Colorado security um, community. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting thing to see how 
how diverse this community is. You know, we have, you mentioned ISSA, which obviously I've been involved with for years, but there's so many other groups, yep. you know, this, the Cloud Security Alliance and OWASP and ISC Squared started meeting and SecureSet, who seems like they've been having three meetings a week for the last six months. Uh, all <laughs> kinds of interesting stuff going on and, and just trying to understand, you know, the different perspective and where everyone fits. And, and really that's kind of the mission that Alex and I have taken on is to, to, to communicate what these different groups are and, and help spread the love and, and then show all the interesting stuff that's happening. You know, there's, I don't know, if, how, many, how many security companies would you guess there are in the Denver area? Just guess. You know, there's, we talked about it. 20, 30 maybe? Yeah, there's, there's, there's well over 30. And, yeah. and, and it, seems like every, it seems like every week I find another one. Yep. You know, and, and they just keep popping up. And I just met one this last week. Uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm not going to try and get the name because I don't remember it off the top of my head. But uh, we're going to have them added to the website soon with yet another company that's, in, that's making a product here in Colorado. Um, and and the, even a guy who was as involved as I was just didn't know about all these companies. So that, that's been a really neat and a chance to, to start to raise awareness of them. What we really need, and, and we had a Denver Startup Week panel recently talking with some founders um, what we really need is to have a couple of really nice exits. You know, have have logarithm and and webroot or, or whoever wise or and protect wise go out yeah. for you know one billion two billion dollars, right. which brings in it brings in capital. You yep. know, right? So that for the next generation of startups and then the people, you know, maybe the webroot employees don't want to hear, but the the people who were there for the startup part to make their equity, they leave. They go to the next generation of right. companies, and we build an ecosystem that you know kind of helps continue going. Yes. So that, that's what you know, we're all rooting for. You know, WebRoot's talking about, or excuse me, uh, Logarithm's talking about an IPO. Uh, ProtectWise certainly looks like they're likely to go down that path at some point. Uh, sort of ping, you know, we, we've, we had one exit and hopefully another exit in the next couple of years. Uh, hopefully these companies do that and, and really help the whole community continue moving and developing, bringing well, that capital. And again, knowing you, Rob, it's, we should not underestimate the need for people who, I mean, I, I tweeted today about uh, a, a research study on, on social uh, community and stuff like that. And most of us security folks, we're quite happy sitting in our home, you know, tapping away on computers, yeah. myself included. You're really good at getting us all together and, and talking to each other. So, so we need platforms like this. So, and, and I agree with you, if there's a big explosion, you know, in terms of getting somebody, uh, you know, getting funded or going IPO, that will help. But if we're not all communicating and developing that community, it, it won't grow. Right. So, so again, this is a good thing you're doing. Cool. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. We'll hopefully check in with you next year and, and hear what's going on at WebRoot. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.